0: Um, I learned a few uh, years ago the word stagflation. Dieter, I'm going to need your help with this if this is wrong <laughs> afterwards. The term is attributed to Ian McLeod, who was the Chancellor of the Exchequer, that is the Reserve Bank Governor of the UK in 1970, He coined the phrase in a speech to Parliament. It's a term used in economics to describe high inflation, low economic growth rate, and high unemployment. Well, you can see immediately that it's a term that refers to us at the moment as we sort of edge our way into recession. It goes without saying that we live in a country where work is a huge issue. I suppose it's one of the few things that government, labor, uh, and business would agree on is the problem of unemployment. For the strata, uh, though, of the economy represented in this building this morning, it's not so much the lack of work that's the problem, but the oversupply of it. And therefore the incredibly long hours, the high levels of stress, and the growing feeling that we need to work harder just to keep what we've got, never mind to get ahead. Job security, the rising cost of living, a stagnant economy, bear down heavily on all of us. And while being about much more than economics, the fourth commandment does address us at the level of work and productivity and rest. Uh, even superficially, you can see that the fourth commandment, for example, is against laziness, work for six days, and it is against workaholism, rest for one day. Uh, we're in Exodus chapter 20, if you're joining us for the first time, um, we're looking at the 10 Commandments, taking one a week. As we go through it. I think this term we might actually only get through nine of the Ten Commandments. But we're in Exodus chapter 20 where God gives the Ten Commandments to the nation through Moses and look at verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do your work. On the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Here is an ancient pattern built into society, into creation itself, the pattern of six on and one off. Uh, It was officially adopted by Emperor Constantine in 321 A.D., but the seven-day week goes back much before that. It might interest you to know that atheistic revolutionaries tried unsuccessfully to get rid of the seven-day pattern. In 1793, the leaders of the French Revolution produced a new calendar, which divided every month into three lots of 10. By 1805, though Napoleon scrapped it, it wasn't working, it never caught on. In 1929, the Soviet Union tried a five-day week with one day of rest and then back to work on the seventh day, and by 1940, the Russians were back on the familiar seven-day cycle. It was just too confusing for people, and so they had to revise the plan. The pattern of six on and one off is instituted at creation. Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2. Here is Genesis 2 verse 2. By the seventh day, God had finished the work that he'd been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all of his work. I wonder what you think it means that God rested. Had the work of creation been so exhausting that he needed to put his feet up and watch the cricket for a day? Well, of course it isn't that. And in fact, one of the striking things about the creation was how effortless it was. All God did was speak. And his unopposed word achieved its end. The the, the fact that he rested on the seventh day was not because he was exhausted from the work that he had been doing, but because the work that he had been doing was now fit for purpose. It had achieved what he had set out for it to achieve. Uh, When Moses, if you look at verse 11 of our reading, today. Moses actually quoting Genesis chapter 2, but he changes the word. Uh, he says, for in six days the Lord God, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day. In, in Genesis chapter 2, it doesn't say Sabbath day, it says seventh day. But Moses changes it to Sabbath day, to link this commandment, the fourth commandment, to creation. That's his purpose in changing that word. God instituted the fourth commandment because God instituted the seventh day, and the seventh day rest. And God is very serious about it in the Old Testament. It was mostly the breaking of this commandment that God, is, that God Israel expelled from the land Uh, as the Old Testament puts it, rather graphically vomited out of the land because they kept breaking this fourth commandment. And it's striking that of the Ten Commandments, most of the space is given to this fourth commandment, and yet uh, you might be tempted to think that it's the one that least applies to us because we are no longer a Sabbath-observing culture, besides which the Sabbath was always a Saturday and never a Sunday. However, there are two reasons given in the Old Testament for obeying the Sabbath, which still um, apply to us today. The first one comes from Exodus chapter 20, and the second one comes from Deuteronomy chapter 5, which is the second statement of the Ten Commandments that we have in the Bible. They're given originally in Exodus 20. Deuteronomy is Moses on his deathbed, where he issues three deathbed speeches. And he reminds the Israelites of the Ten Commandments. And in restating the Ten Commandments, he actually develops the fourth commandment, which we'll come to in a moment. But first of all, remember the Sabbath because of creation. That's the first heading this morning. I've already said that verse 11 links the Sabbath rest to the way God created the world. What is the purpose of the creation? The purpose of all that God made, what is it heading towards? For it is not an end in itself. It is heading towards the seventh day. That is, the purpose of what God made is rest. You know, an inordinate inordinate amount of time is given uh, in in our children's schooling, I've noticed, to the subject of finding your purpose. It's put differently sometimes. What is the passion of your life? What is the meaning of your life? What is the purpose of your life? And there's no end of books, I've noticed, that you can spend hundreds of rands on to discover the purpose of your life. It seems to me that that's the section that keeps growing in exclusive books. What is the purpose of your life? Um, The answer is given in the first two chapters of the Bible and it's for free. You don't have to buy anybody's book or go on anybody's course. It is rest. The purpose of your life is the same as the purpose of all of creation, and that is rest. In the first six days, God turned chaos into order. Many of of those of us who have come to Christ in faith and repentance, many in this room today, will recognize that that actually is an excellent description of what happened when Jesus came into your life. He turned chaos into order. He brought about rest in your life. That is the purpose of your life and the meaning of your creation and the whole point of creation. It was the seventh day. Uh, if Adam and Eve had not sinned in Genesis chapter 3, we would still be in the seventh day. For the seventh day is the only day out of all seven where there is no morning and evening the next day. That was the purpose. It was, the, it was rest. It was holiness, it was blessedness. Observing the Sabbath is a reminder to Israel, the nation, that the purpose of life is not chaos, but rest. It taught Israel that work is not all that there is. The creation, the created, is not all that there is. Life is about more than earning. Life is about more than laboring more than the acquisition of things. When God rested, he demonstrated that the world and his own activities were not an end in themselves, they were created for another day, a day of higher purpose. There is life outside of and beyond work. God himself, who is a worker, the Bible says, is not only a worker, he rests from his labor. And he invites us to share in that rest that is his. And so the purpose of your life is rest. The purpose of creation is rest. The rhythm of life, the necessity of refreshment, the nature of work is that we are not always to be doing it. It's a reminder to us, actually, of our dependence upon God that there is a day where we are not laboring, where we are not earning, where we are not producing, but we are just relying on God. We need to take time off to participate in our humanity, in our createdness. It reminds us that we are part of what God has created. The Sabbath commandment shows that the world that God has created has got this regular pattern, the cycle of life, that leads up to and climaxes in the holiday, the holy day of rest. Uh, Look at this, it's repeated in Exodus chapter 23. It will be on the screen. For six days you are to sow your fields and harvest the crops, but during the seventh year let the land lie unplowed and unused. Then the poor among your people may get food from it. The wild animals may eat what is left. Do the same um, with your vineyard and your olive grove, six days do your work, but on the seventh day do not work, so that your ox and your donkey may rest, and so that the slave born in your household, or the foreigner living among you, may be refreshed. Even the cattle need, need a day off. God is showing Israel that creation has been built in a way that it needs rest, and observing the Sabbath brings refreshment to creation, but more than that, it points to the future restoration of creation, which is God's original purpose and intent in creating the world. We are not created to work permanently. We need rest and replenishment and time off. I'm told, and some, uh, some of you who know this more than me can correct me afterwards if I'm wrong, but people have tried to farm land continuously and over a period of time, the law of diminishing returns kicks in, and the result is a decline in crops, which require more and more input for less and less yields. Please correct me if you know more about this than I do. I'm told that best farming practice now suggests having periods of leaving the land fallow so that it can rejuvenate. Well, God built that into creation and actually mentioned that to the nation of Israel. Electricity is part of what has destroyed the pattern of life because people now don't have a rhythm. Because of electricity, you can work late in the office. Luckily, that's no longer a problem for us. In a society that only considers you useful for as long as you can produce, it is very refreshing to hear the fourth commandment, isn't it? That you are more than what you can produce in a society that has a utilitarian view of people, that you are only valuable for as long as you are useful economically, it's wonderful to hear that your purpose is much bigger than that. It's rest. That is your purpose. Producing is not the end. The end is rest. And so while we don't live in a theocracy, a theocratic state, anymore, and our nation doesn't observe the Sabbath anymore, the principle of rest is important for us. It doesn't matter which day you rest on, that's less important than the fact of rest. But I do want you to think about this for a moment. In a, is it a loving thing in our society to make every day a trading day? I wonder, on the way home today via the shops that you'll stop at to pick up whatever it is that you're gonna pick up. Spare a thought for the mothers who are working today, who can't be with their families. It does seem to me to be unwise from a societal point of view to make every day a trading day because it's difficult for families to coordinate their time off together. It's anti-family to have every day as a trading day in our society. Now, of course, the genie is out of the bottle There's nothing we can do about it. But it is worth pondering that and thinking about the wisdom of God when it comes to organizing your society in a particular way. And it's not that long ago when every day wasn't a trading day in our country. Um, I'm old enough, and I'm not that old, but I can remember when you couldn't go shopping on a Sunday or go to the movies on a Sunday or whatever it was. And of course it was inconvenient at times, but when you reflect on it, there was a wisdom that was built into that. And so let's think about the working mothers today, on Mother's Day. They ought to be with their families, being spoilt and celebrated and appreciated, but where are they? Many of them will be serving us in the shops. Now please hear what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that we shouldn't shop on a Sunday. But I do wanna make the point that God's wisdom cannot be bettered. Our society is less wise for making every day a trading day than, than for having one day as a non-trading day. Friends, as Christians, we do need to rebel against the world at this point, don't we? There is a work ethic in the world today which, which denies rest. The world lives to work, to acquire, to get ahead, to succeed, but we must rebel against that as Christians. We know more. We know that there is more to life. We see beyond the work to the end, which is relationship with God and with others, rest. And so Christians work to live, they don't live to work. So I wonder if there is somebody here that needs to examine their work ethic. And this this can be applied on both sides of the spectrum. Maybe somebody's lazy. Work like God did. Maybe somebody's a workaholic. Rest like God did. And recognize that there is more to life than work. And so remember the Sabbath because of creation. But here's the second heading. Observe the Sabbath because of redemption. We take days off for lots of reasons, family, leisure, fun. We need the rest because we are a member of the world. And our culture, on the other hand, of being a workaholic, is so good at leisure and rest that it can actually be exhausting. You might need to go back to work to have a break from all of the leisure that is available in our world today. But if you're a Christian, the rest that we enjoy is about more than leisure more than fun, more than family. It is a signpost to another world. It reminds us that we are not only members of this world, but we are also members of the world to come. Every time you have a day off, you are saying, there is more to life than this world. There is another world. If you work seven days a week, then you are signifying that there is nothing in your life other than this world. In Deuteronomy chapter 5, the Sabbath commandment is put slightly differently. In Exodus 20, Moses says, remember the Sabbath to remember creation. In Deuteronomy 5, Moses says, observe the Sabbath to remember redemption. There it is, Deuteronomy 5 verse 15, remember that you were slaves in Egypt and that the Lord your God brought you out of there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God has commanded you to observe the Sabbath day. Well, that's got nothing to do with creation. That has to do with redemption. Observe the Sabbath because you were rescued. Uh, Moses is developing the idea of the Sabbath in Deuteronomy on his deathbed. The rest of God is found not only in the creation order and pattern and cycle, but also in the fact that you have been rescued from from Egypt to Palestine. You know, Palestine, which was the symbol of their rest, the, mil- the land flowing with milk and honey, was a very suboptimal rest. It was a disappointing rest. They never actually conquered all of the land properly. There were always enemies and uprisings in the land. There were always other religions that led them into unfaithfulness in the land, always enemies, continued warfare, the promised land was disappointing. It wasn't really all that they had hoped it would be. And that is because God had another rest in mind, that the promised land was merely a signpost too. Workaholism is a demonstration that you believe that this world is all that there is. Work hard, and he who dies with the most toys wins. That's our society's philosophy. But God says there is something better. There is something else. There is something new that's coming. Of course, we are mocked, aren't we, as Christians, for believing in pie in the sky when you die, by and by. But our culture's energies and efforts are spent acquiring and working and collecting and controlling and settling in the here and now. Uh, We look To Our world looks to this world to bring them rescue. Rescue from boredom. Rescue from poverty. Rescue from mediocrity. Rescue from meaninglessness. But it is striking that those who have money and acquisition are seldom happy. They're always worried about their things and trying to hang on to it. And isn't it true that our post-industrial materialistic age has produced more unhappy, insecure, medicated, spoilt, malcontents than any other society known in history. We are richer than any generation before us. Better traveled, more educated, but we are utterly exhausted and often unhappy. The one thing we need more than anything else is rest, rescue. And so, to help Israel comprehend the reality of true rest, which actually is heaven, the new heavens and the new earth, God establishes the Sabbath. He rescued them from Egypt, a symbol of judgment. He took them to Palestine, a symbol of heaven and of rest. And so, resting forces us to consider that there is another world that we have been rescued for and it helps us to reflect on what's important in life. God's gracious gift to us in a crazy busy society is rest, is the promise of a new land, a new heavens, new earth, which should stir something in us to long for something more than this world, even if we have this world. And let's be honest, we have this world like no generation before us. But God wants us to look towards something else. I've said it before and I need to keep saying it because we are so um, brainwashed into thinking about the new heavens and the new earth as us being disembodied spirits. That's, that's how we have been taught to think about heaven. That we are, it's a spiritual existence. We are kind of ghosts in heaven. But actually, that is not the Bible's teaching. The Bible's teaching is that the new heavens and the new earth is a return to the Garden of Eden. There are differences. It's not one couple in a garden. It's a great multitude in a city. There is no tree of the knowledge of good and evil in the new heavens and the new earth. Thank God for that, for that's the tree that plunged us into darkness. There is only the tree of life in the new heavens and the new earth. But dear friends, what God has in mind for us is a physical existence in a recreated, renovated environment with all that life has to offer. What a wonderful thing that is to look forward to. That's what we are yearning for. That's what we are longing for, is a world free of corruption and sin and pollution and decay and extinction. And so God has written that into our hearts. And every time we have rest, we ought to remember our rescue. We have been rescued from sin. And we have been rescued for a new heavens and a new earth. A new promised land with no enemies and no sin and no unfaithfulness in it. What a wonderful thing to look forward to. Here is my third and final heading this morning. There is one way to keep the fourth commandment there is one way to keep the fourth commandment. How do we obey this commandment today? We are not a theocracy. Um, We don't keep this commandment in the same way as Israel were expected to keep it. The Sabbath rest of God, though, is as available today as it was then. Not the promised land of Palestine, but heaven, the new heavens and the new earth. One of the chief ways that we break the fourth commandment today is to respond to God by trying to earn his favor rather than by resting into Jesus working for his favor rather than resting because work is our default position we carry that mindset with us into our relationship with God as we try to earn favor with him earn acceptance from him earn forgiveness from Him. If only I can obey the Ten Commandments, then God will accept me. If only I can try harder, turn over a new leaf, pull up my socks, really make an effort to do better, then God will accept me. We fall into that mindset. It's the default setting really of our hearts that I can make some contribution to my salvation. But there is only one way to enjoy rest with God, to be accepted by God, and it's not obeying the Ten Commandments, or coming to church, or being a nice person. It is for us to be accepted by God as a result of the work that his Son did, a work that we can never do, the work of Jesus dying on the cross. And that's when we are ready to hear Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, Come to me, you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Friends, the way we obey the fourth commandment today is by resting On the work that Jesus did for us on the cross to cleanse us and to make us acceptable to God. If you fall into the mindset of, I need to do this, I need to do that in order to be acceptable to God, then you are denying what God has done for us in Jesus. The Christian life is not do, do, do. It's resting on done, It's been done for you. And so get off the treadmill. Come to Jesus, who makes us acceptable to God. He brings real rest, He brings real forgiveness. And He does it for free. You don't have to earn it, you just have to ask for it. There is no command in the New Testament to keep the Sabbath. Jesus comes into conflict on the subject of the Sabbath more than almost any other subject in the Gospels. He's always boxing with the religious leaders about the Sabbath, isn't he? And in Mark chapter 2, he makes the most extraordinary statement. To paraphrase, he says, Don't you tell me what I can and can't do on the Sabbath, for I am the Lord of the Sabbath. An extraordinary statement. Don't tell me what I can and can't do on the Sabbath. I wrote that law. I'm the one who gave it in the first place. And so, Sabbatarianism is one of the conflict points between Jesus and his contemporaries. And Paul, as well, says that we should not allow anyone to judge us on the subject of the Sabbath. We're not required to keep a particular day any longer. The fourth commandment is fulfilled and transcended in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. He is our Sabbath rest. And if you are in Christ, Hebrews chapters 3 and 4, which we don't have time to look at, there's so much on the Sabbath that we could look at. Hebrews chapter 3 and 4 says, if you are in Christ, every day is the Sabbath. For every day you are at rest. For every day you are forgiven and a beneficiary of the grace of God because of the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. Have you stopped the exhausting work of trying to make yourself acceptable to God by being a nice person or a religious person? What a heavy burden that is. How weary you must be. Please, will you lay that burden on the one whose work was the only work that could achieve rest for us? Onto the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, let's bow our heads now and prepare our hearts as we remember together through the the Lord's Supper that work that only Jesus can do and has been done on our behalf. Heavenly Father, thank you that you uh, are a God who invites us to rest, to be in wonderful personal relationship with yourself to enjoy the good gift of relationships with each other, with one another. Thank you for the reminder that rest is of our creatureliness, that we need a break. Thank you for instituting it in creation, and thank you, Lord, for achieving it in salvation supremely through the death of your dear Son, our Lord Jesus Christ. Father, would you help us as we remember that death now by eating and drinking together to really take a breath to recognize how extraordinary thing it is that unlike any other religion or worldview or philosophy, there is nothing left for us to do in order to be in friendship with you. All that is necessary has been done through Christ. We pray that we would feed on him in our hearts with faith and with thanksgiving. For Jesus' sake. Amen.